Beautiful, beautiful. So I recently uh, did a Google search on what topics are trending as I am in between uh, series. Uh, we got done with our Colossians series. And how many of you gleaned some wonderful gems from the Word of God in Colossians? Anyone in here just say it was a blessing to be in the Colossians study? Because this year, our theme at Living Word Chapel is truth. We want to find truth, uh, not uh, subjective truth, but objective truth. And we find that in God's Word because His Word never changes. Amen? In fact, I was reading with the elders this morning in my devotion before I came, and we pray at 7 a.m. Many of you know that. Uh, I was, I was uh, doing my devotion at the house, and, and I came across this, this uh, passage in Jeremiah. I think it's Jeremiah 15. And in that, Jeremiah is struggling because uh, he's not very popular with the people. And uh, he's speaking the words of God to the people, and the people are not receiving that. And so he's hated amongst his peers. And he says, God, I'm going through all this, and, and, and I, 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 I'm, doing, I'm going through this because of you. I'm speaking for you, and uh, people hate me. They want to kill me. And God said, keep on speaking. And he said, I want you to influence them. Don't let them influence you. And that's what truth does. Amen? Truth doesn't change. It's unbendable. It influences others. But we should not be influenced by the ways that the world lives or the way that, that our, our flesh wants to take us. In fact, Paul writing to the Romans, he said, don't conform to this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen? And so God's ways are a lot different than, than our, our ways. And so I was um, trying to, to, to bring a standalone message, which is what today is, on, uh, on a subject that, that maybe is a push-button subject or someone, something that, that people are, are hearing about a lot. And so I did a Google search, and I looked at what topics are trending. And whenever I, I, I went there, I found uh, that the number one subject or the number one topic that people were looking to was... The Powerball. <laughs> and who wouldn't be looking at the Powerball when it's like one point some billion? I think it's like $1.5 billion. And, and, and who would be uh, against getting $1.5 billion? And, and the crazy thing about, about this was uh, I went to Las Cruces, New Mexico, as many of you know, to visit my daughter. And I went to a convenience store, and the line was long, and guess what everyone was buying? Tickets. And then I go to Winkleman to put gas at Speedway, and as I go in there to get my receipt for the, the gas that I put in, I'm in line, and guess what everyone is buying? Tickets. Right? And I, uh, I thought, I, I'm not going to bring a message on gambling, but I do want to bring a message on, on money. And the message that I want to bring is, uh, how do we live our life loving God more than money? Because our greatest competition for our love for God is the love of money. Amen? And, and money, not, not the money as an object, but what it does to our hearts, it, it can change the way that you live. It can change the way that you do things. In fact, I want you to think with me, your security in how much money you have a lot of times dictates your security that you put in God. A lot of people say, I don't need God, 
very affluent people. I don't need God. I have everything that I, that I need. Not everybody, but a lot of people think that way. And it also affects the way that you deal with, with people. If, if you have a lot of money, then you really don't even need people in your life. You don't need God in your life. And so that it can really impact us. And we find this out in the, in the book of wisdom or, or the book of Proverbs. Here's what, what Solomon wrote. And Solomon was a very affluent person. Amen. He had a lot. He had a, 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 amassed a lot, a lot of wealth. But Solomon said this. He said, the love of money is the root I'm sorry, this is Paul writing. Uh, Paul wrote, he says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the, the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. And we need to understand that, that the problem is not money. The problem is the love of money. Someone say amen if you agree with that. Money is amoral. I say this a lot. Money is amoral, like an atheist. Theos is God. An atheist believes that there is no God. Money is amoral. It, 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 it's, it's neither moral or immoral. In fact, the same $20 bill can end up in church, and that same $20 bill can end up at a topless bar. It'll go wherever you, wherever you take it. Amen? That, that same $20 bill can be paid in wages, and the same $20 bill can be paid out to try to win the lottery. It, and, and I'm not saying anything. It's the attitude of our what? Of our heart. And, and so, so I, I think that our, our founding fathers were very, very uh, wise. I think they were led from God when they put on currency in God we, we trust. What they were saying is don't trust your money. Trust God. Well, I would even say this. Trust God with your money. Right? Trust God with all the, the wealth that he's given you. I'm not even saying here that, that we should not seek to be blessed. We should not seek for monetary blessings. I mean, all of us work, and, and I believe that everyone should be paid. Uh, you, you should be worthy of what you, what you work for. But we need to really guard our hearts and let our hearts always be leaning toward God and not money. Because you can be led in a lot of different, in a different ways. And so... I want to bring three passages that we can look at that I think are vital to, to the subject that I'm talking about. Uh, the first one comes from Matthew uh, chapter 22, verse 37 and 40, 37 through 40. And here Jesus is being, uh, they're, they're trying to, to trap Jesus, to trick Jesus into a wrong answer. Uh, Jesus always had words that astounded everybody. When he spoke, everyone was like, he speaks like no other man that we've heard before. He spoke the words of God. And he spoke with authority. And they, so they asked Jesus, what is the most important thing that we should be doing? What is the most important commandment that God has given to people? And Jesus said this. He replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. He says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. He said, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So the most important thing in life is to love God 
which will in turn grow your love for others. Are you with me? When you, when you receive God's love, when, when you reciprocate that love to him, you will find that he changes your heart and that you love people as well. Outside of Christ, we cannot do that. We found that in the Colossians study where, where, where Paul said uh, to the church in Colossae, he said, you once were living in the domain of darkness. That's where you lived at. But you've been transferred, you've been rescued through your faith in Jesus into the kingdom of God's beloved son. And in that, there's been a transformation that takes place. You're not the same person you were. You're a new creation. The former things have passed. You're walking in new things. Now, that new thing is you begin to love God. You begin to understand who God is, that God loves us. You begin to look at him from a proper perspective. Amen? You, you look at God through the, the, the lens of Jesus Christ because he's the very likeness of God. He's God in the flesh. And then it begins to do, do something to our hearts and to our lives. In, in Matthew's gospel, again, Jesus is, is teaching the Beatitudes, and, and he, he talks to them about some very important things, like when you pray, don't pray in front of people so that people can be impressed. Go, go by yourself and pray. He, he talks about giving. When you give, don't, don't give and so everyone can see you. And then, and then he comes to this place uh, in, in, at the end of that, that, that dialogue of the Beatitudes, and in verse 24, he's talking about what money can do to you and what God will do for you. And, and this is what he says in, in Matthew 6, 24. He said, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. That's important for us to know, right? He said, you, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and you will despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. I love the verbiage. You cannot serve God, submit yourself to God, or be enslaved to money. How do you enslave to money? Through loving money more than anything else. In fact, if you love money, it'll change your relationship with everything and everyone. Amen? You want to climb the ladder of success. You want more money. You want more prestige. It doesn't matter who you step on to get there. It changes everything. Amen? It, it changes how you view God. It changes the way that, that you do things. Instead of you being generous, generosity bothers you. Because you earned it. It's your money. No one deserves your money. No one deserves what you've done. It, it, it changes your attitude. It changes the way that you live. One of the greatest things that God has done in me and my wife is that he's placed generosity in our lives. And in our hearts, he's, he's, we, I love being generous. I love it. it. God does something in me when I'm generous. It, it changes everything. But that's not my doing. That's God's doing. That's the Holy Spirit producing this, okay? Now, here's the third passage that I want us to look at. And it comes from 1 John chapter 4. And the whole thrust of it is love. In uh, verse uh, 4, I mean, I'm sorry, verse 7 and verse 8, it says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from who? From God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love uh, does not know God, for God is love. And then go to verse 16. We know 
how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. Pause right there. We put our trust in his love. We don't put our trust in money. We put our trust in God. Amen? And he's going to take care of us. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. We love each other. Go to verse 19. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people that we can see, how much can we love God whom we cannot see? So a good gauge for us, a good gauge for us, in, in the love equation is, are we loving people with generosity? Amen? Are, are, we, are we putting other people first? Are we putting God's work first? Is, is money dictating what we do or is God dictating what we do? And so in, in, in this uh, uh, seeking the Lord, I went to, to Google. I said, this is what's trending. Then I came across uh, this, uh, this blog or this article uh, by this lady. She's not even real well known, but I came across and I said, that's, that's wonderful. Her name is Lauren Terrell. Lauren Terrell. And, and she put down eight ways to love God more than money. And so what I've done, and I don't do this very much at all, is I'm using the outline that she put together because I thought it was a great outline and I'm going to expound on it. And the reason that I'm saying that is because I got to give her credit because that's her outline. Amen. So that's a lesson for pastors. When you use something, you, you give people credit for it. Amen? So, so here, here's eight strategic ways to kindle our love for God and safeguard us from the love of money. The, the first strategy is you have to refuse, refuse, refuse to be mastered by money. This is intentionality. Money... Or the love of money doesn't tell you what to do. God does. You don't live your life for what money tells you to do. Or, or with the love of money, you live your life for what God tells you to do. And he, he probably will involve his blessings. But you're not led by the blessing. You're led by the blesser. Are you with me? And that takes prosperity preachers out. We're not led for the blessing, we're led for the blesser. We're doing things because we love God. And we, we refuse, we refuse, we refuse because God warns us about what the love of money can do to our hearts and what that will do to our soul. Let me say something that's important. If you take nothing away from this, take this, that when you love money, you will never have enough. I've helped people through, through navigating through difficulties, addictions, things like that. And I remember talking to a guy that was, uh, that, that because of circumstances, he became, uh, uh, he, 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 he leaned on steroids for a, a greater part of his life. And one of the things that he said to me, which I'll never forget, is when you're on steroids, you're never big enough. You look in the mirror, and it doesn't matter how big your muscles are, you're never big enough. It's the same thing with money. When you have a love for money, you never have enough. You're not thankful for what you have. Because you want more. You want more, you want more, you want more. 
Look at what Jesus said. Uh, no one can serve two masters. You'll hate one. You'll love the other. You'll be devoted to one. You'll despise the other. You can't serve God and be enslaved to money. Because there's a pool. There's a pool. There's a magnetic pool when you're enslaved to something. You're enslaved to uh, pornography. You're pulled. You're enslaved to it. You, 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 you're not even present in a conversation. You're thinking about, when am I going to get to this? If, if you're enslaved to, to alcohol, you, you, you can't think about anything until I can have another drink. If you're enslaved to prescription drugs, you can't, you can't have, be present. You're thinking about, how am I going to get a high? How am I going to feel better? And think about, with all those things, it's never enough. Amen? And it separates you from, from the things that, that you can because you're enslaved. But when you serve God, it's different than being enslaved. You serve God because he's worth it. You serve God because he loved us so much that he gave his very best for me. See, God gave first. And God gave the best. And what you find when you, when you have God in your life, you'll find that you have enough. You're content. The Apostle Paul said this in Philippians chapter 4. He said, I have, I have learned to be content in every circumstance, whether I abase or whether I abound. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can, I can, I can, do, I can do this when, when, when things are hard. I can do this when things are, are, are good. When I do weddings, all the time when I do weddings, and, and, and I do a lot of them, I've done a lot this year, Thank God people are getting married. Amen. I'm doing a, I'm doing a series coming up. It's going to be, I, I said marriage matters, but I'm going to change the title of the series. It's going to say the truth about marriage. Because we're hearing a lot of lies about marriage. But I always do this in, in, in weddings. I say, you know, you're, gonna, you're going to uh, say your vows, uh, you know, to love and to hold, to, to, to love and to cherish, to have and to hold. You know, uh, for better or for worse. And I always tell the, the bride, I said, okay, when you get to that part, when you say for worse, when he says that, I want you to squeeze his hand saying, we better not have a lot of worse. We better have, we better have a lot of better. But the reality, that, that's, that's a joke, but the reality is this, that with God, it doesn't matter what you go through, you find out that his love is always there. It's always constant. Here's strategy number two. Okay, so the way that you love God more than money is you align your heart, you align yourself with the heart of God. It's a heart issue. What you do with your money is a heart issue. And what you do with your money is very easy. Pull out, pull out your, your app. You can go to your Chase app right here or whatever bank that you have. It tells you what you love. And so when you align yourself with the heart of of God, you're in relationship with God. Amen? 37 years we've been married. And guess what happens if I go someplace, we both have the same app. Did you spend money on this? I have a little bit of accountability. Amen? She knows where my heart is. In fact, just, just yesterday she said, where did that big old bottle of curved cologne come from? Amazon? Hey, it was Amazon. It was like the Prime Day or something like that. I was like, I need, I need to smell better. 
So, so here's, here's a question. What, what's leading your heart? Have you noticed that bad relationships, they break your heart? God doesn't ever do that. God never breaks your heart. But here's what, what Solomon said. Now we're going to get to Solomon. He said this, guard your heart above all else, for it will determine the way that you live your life. It will determine the course of your life. Guard your heart above everything else. That's, that's one that you should tattoo on your, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you got big bicep, put it right there. So you can, I don't have big bicep. See, every commercial and every ad on television or my phone, it wants my heart. If I love money, it will pull me far away from the purposes of God. It's okay to have money. It's not okay for money to have us. Amen? You tell your money what to do. As God leads you to do what he wants you to do. The things that honor him. The things that, 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 that is, is, is going to honor people. That's going to be a blessing to people. Let me tell you something. It's always better to give than to receive. Because to make someone smile, to make someone's life better, it's a lot better for us. That's who Jesus is. Every smile of those children, can I tell you those people that served at Vacation Bible School, they're better today because of those smiles of those children. And every child that received Jesus, they're going to be with Jesus forever. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. See, my greatest treasure is not the bank and my bank account. That's not my greatest treasure. It's not my, my, my house. Some, of, some people may say it's not my houses. It's not my stock. The greatest treasure is Jesus in my life. The, the more that I know him, the more that I love him, and the more that I love him, the more that I align my life with what's important to him. You know, it's, it's, just, it's just simple when we understand that. I, 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 I bought a new truck, by the way. It's out there. And it's a, it's a 2000 Nissan Frontier. And I was so excited. I, my wife, she, she's laughing right there because I drove home two weeks ago. And there's some circumstances that came up. And so we, we needed a second car. And, and I thought, man, I, I got to give me a car. And I'm driving home from, 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 uh, from the church from Kearney campus, and I'm driving home, and I was using the church van at that time, that big old 15-passenger van driving. People think probably thought I was weird, just older van. And I said, I got to get me a vehicle. <laughs> and so I, as I did, I, I passed this truck, and I know the guy. I know he's a wonderful, wonderful man, a wonderful brother. And I, and I said, that's the truck I need right there. So it's this little Nissan Frontier. And so I said, okay, I'm going to pray about this. And I said, babe, but what do you think about me buying this truck? And she said, are you sure? I said, yeah, it's, it's perfect, you know. And so I, I, I passed it again for two weeks. Finally, the second week, I said, Tim, I called him up. I want to buy, buy your truck, bro. He said, are you thinking about selling it? He said, you know what, it's crazy. I just, I, I thought about selling it this week. <laughs> I said, well, I'm the person, my brother. I'm the person, dude. 
So I, so I went to, into my retirement. I had a little bit of retirement that, that from, the, from the mine, and I, I took some retirement out. Thank the Lord for retirement. I took a little bit of money out, and then as I did that, I also said, you know what, let's give a little bit, you know, let's be, let's be a blesser as well. So I gave a little bit to the work of God, and, and, and with that, and then I bought that truck, and I went and got my tags and registration yesterday, and I paid a whopping $72. <laughs> Hold on. Don't, don't respond yet. That's for two years. <laughs> and it's paid for. I don't have a payment. So I'm, I'm, I got a little dinger on one side. It's okay. I don't care about that. Strategy. Amen? Strategy. I'll move up to a, you know, F, F-150, F-250. I'll move up to that one of these, one of these days. I'm not there yet. So here, here's strategy number three, okay? To how, how do we love God more than money? Here, this is an important one. Please write this down. Go on a mission trip. Go on a mission trip. Every person should go on a mission trip. I can't, Pastor. I can't. You don't understand. I can't well, do everything you can to do it. You don't know what you have until you go and see people that don't have. I just don't have enough. Oh, Paul, let's, let's, let's go visit some people. Let's go see some people. Going on a mission trip opens up our eyes to what people don't have. And what you're taking them, what you're taking them is God. What you're taking them is God's love. So next Saturday, we have a, a, our, our, our missionary directors, Brennan and Becky Strand. They're making a one-day trip to, to uh, Puerto Penasco, and they're taking over 100 backpacks. And they are, it's a one-day. They're going to go with or come back. So... There's room for five people. If you want to be a part of, of this trip, you can go over there. If you've got your passport, you, you, can, you, can, you can go with them. And I'll tell you right now, that's life-changing. We, we have a, a missionary that's going to be visiting here October, the first Sunday in October from that, from that location. And she's an amazing woman of God. She's, a, she's, an, she's an amazing blessing. The first time I met her, the first time I saw her interacting with hundreds of kids, I said, if you were in the United States, I'd hire you. We would bring you on to Living Word Chapel right now because she's so good with kids. So she's going to be here. And what, what you need to know is that every person should go on a mission trip because it will change your life. It's our goal in the next four years to go on more mission trips than we ever have in the history of Living Word Chapel. And we're a mission-minded, grace-led church. We care about people. We care about going, whether it's across the street or across the world. We care about people. We're trying to set up a trip right now to go to Holland because we connected with a, with a, a pastor and his wife that are helping uh, Ukraine refugees that are coming across. They're picking them up at the Polish border, and, and they're, they're picking them up right there, and they're taking them to their campus, and they had like 60 to 100, some, some uh, women, children, and other very people in, in dire need. And so we want to put a team together. And if this is, the Lord stirs your heart to go to Holland, we want you to be a part of that team. But we're also going to let the Lord direct us, whether it's Guatemala or other places that we've gone. We've, we've, uh, we've drilled wells, water wells in Guatemala. We've done all those things. Why? Because we want to take the love of God and the love of Jesus to people that have never seen it. Amen? The Great Commission starts with the word Go. Now, here, here's some scripture basis. So, so Jesus talks about the sower that sowed seed. 
And in that, uh, he talks about the attitudes of people and what happens. Uh, some, sometimes that, that seed falls on, on hard ground. Sometimes that seed falls on, on ground that has thorns and it doesn't produce fruit. But he said this, and, and, and it really fits this, this point right here. He said, the seed that fell among the thorns represent, represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. Worry will keep you from God's purposes. Amen? Wanting more and never having enough will keep you away from God's purposes. Every one of us, I hear this all the time. Oh, oh, pastor, I can't go to Mexico. There's no way. Have you heard about Mexico? Yeah. I got cousins over there. Well, pastor, we can't go to Guatemala. Have you heard about Central America? You know how bad it is? No. Yeah. Have you heard about Israel? Have you heard about this? Have you? Yeah. Can I tell you? But we don't go alone. We go with God. Are you with me? Come on, church. If you're watching online, God has not given us a spirit of fear. What a power, love, and a sound mind. How many of you want to be comfortable Christians? You'll never do the things of God being comfortable. You'll, you'll never be able to do the things that, that God has called you to do by being comfortable. Amen? Smile at me, somebody. <laughs> here's, the, here's the fourth strategy. Serve someone. We, we live in a world where we want to be served. We want, to, we want for people to do for us. I don't know if I'm speaking to someone today, yet every, every, everything is about you. It's about you receiving. Give me more, give me more, give me more. Look at what the Apostle Peter wrote. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. In other words, the grace of God is like a diamond. It's multifaceted. And that gift that God has given to Pastor James Reese before I was ever a pastor, whenever my, my, my grandmother-in-law said, can he do that after everything he's done? How can he be a pastor? Look at, all the, look at his past. Look at what he's done. God had a present and God had a future in Jesus. And he's got the same for every one of us. He wants to work in your life. But let me tell you, you'll never be like Jesus without serving. You'll never be like Christ without helping other people. And, and, and so God shapes our heart in serving with even a heart for generosity. We want to be generous because God is generous to us. Here's strategy number five. Discipline yourself to give first. Dis discipline comes from the word disciple. How many of you are disciples of Jesus? You're following the example of Christ. So discipline is very important for us. Now, when you give first, that means I'm going to give God my first and my best. Amen? Does, does God give us first? Does God give us breath? Does God give us the ability to move? Does God give us the ability to see, to talk, to hear, and all these things that, that we're so privileged with? God does so many things. Giving is worship. 
When we give, we worship God because everything is his. Everything that we have is God's. You, you don't take nothing with you when you die. You, you're born into this world and you have nothing. Uh, in Spanish, you would say, you come into this world encuerado, naked, and you leave this world with whatever they put on you. I'm going to pick out my wardrobe. Shauna, make sure you got something, you know. She'll dress me good, but she might want to... She, she, she may want to have some fun. I, I, she, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what she's going to put on me. Can you please, if you go to my funeral, can you please tell her, babe, I tell her, Shauna, I don't think that pastor would like that. Let's change it. But here's what Jesus said. He said, seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and then everything else will be added. God cares about what you care about. Now, hear, hear me. It's a, it's a mental shift, but it's a heart shift. It's a mental shift with whatever God gives. See, with this retirement, I, by, the, by the grace of God, I was able to buy this vehicle. It's paid for. And then I was able to, to be a blessing, you know, because of God. And, and, and Sean and I talked about it. She said, babe, you know, we're giving. I said, of course. The re- I have the retirement because of God. I have stock because of God. Now, not very much stock, but I have some. But it's because of God. Everything that I have is because of God. And so you give him first because he gives to us first. He's such a wonderful, wonderful God, you know, that that you just got to do that. Here's strategy number six. Give what's waiting to be given. Give what's waiting to be given. And I love that uh, this, this, this article that I read by Lauren and, and she said, uh, is there money in your giving fund? In other words, you have, a, you have a budget. How many of you have a budget? Raise your hand if you have a budget. You need to, by the way. And in your budget, do you, do you have in that, you know, where your money's going to go? You're telling it where to go. So in your budget, how many of you put God first? How many of you put saving second? Amen. How many of you have a giving fund? This spoke to me. I don't have a giving fund. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put one together. A giving fund, so whenever things come up, I can give. Amen? It's there already. I don't have to have any hardship. I can, I can give. And, and so when, when you have a, 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 the, the money's put aside, then when, when, when God presents opportunities, and I always think about this, giving is an opportunity to be a blesser, like God is a blessing to me. Amen? I can be a blesser to people. I can be a blessing to them. But, but when you understand that everything you have belongs to God, it's a lot easier to be a blessing. And you're an open-hand Christian. In other words, you open your hand, and, and, and as God gives to you, you keep giving to others. There's someone in here in this, in this service that they recently blessed us. They did some work at the Kearney campus, and they said, we want to bless the campus. We want to bless the work of God, and we want to donate some of the work to them. That's a blessing from God. So he's an open-hand Christian. God gives to him. He gives to others. Amen? Look at what David wrote. King David wrote this in, in uh, First Chronicles. He's getting ready to build the temple. And again, uh, Solomon built the temple. But here's what, here's what David said. Who am I? And who are my people, he was a king, who are my people, that we could give anything to you. He's talking to God. Okay? Everything we have has come from you, Lord. And we give you only what you first gave us. Hear me now. God gives first. 
Don't cheat yourself by putting God at the bottom. It only hurts. Let me tell you, your bills, your heart, when you put everything first, they will never leave anything for God. Change it. Put God first. He'll leave everything for you. Are you with me? Test it. See what begins to happen in your life. Here's strategy number seven. Love God with all that he's given you, not just money. So how many of you know the principle of tithing? Tithing means 10%. That, that's the way that when I came to the Lord, I remember hearing tithe, give 10%. And we, Sean and I began to, 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 to live that, to own it. Now we, we give by grace. It's 10% more. Uh, it's 10% or less. We, we, we're, not, we're not under any law. We just give. And, and God has blessed us for doing that. But let's think about the principle of tithing. Okay? What if you put the principle of tithing into every part of your life? What if you give God 10% of your time? In other words, you get up in the morning and you give him your best, right? What if you give God 20 minutes, your first 20 minutes, to read the word of God? You're, you're giving back to God. It's, 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 you're, he's giving you that, that ability, right? How, how about if we give God, not, put money aside. How about if we give God back our, our gifting, our talent? Say, Lord, this, you gave me this. I want to give back to you. And you begin, to, you begin to give God more. The more you give God, the more he increases everything else. I, I don't have any, any time. You know, we've, we've got all these gadgets that are supposed to save you time. And if you notice that we have less time, can I tell you why? Because we have less God. Are you with me? Now, we can use this for God. There's wonderful apps. I, I, I go into the YouVersion app, YouVersion app every morning at the Bible app. And I, and I do my, my devotion through, through this. But I also open up the Word of, word of God, the, the, the literal Word of God, and it helps. But then you begin to process, what do I do with my time? What if I give God my time? And you're actually being intentional about it. God, this is your time. See, people don't make it in marriage because they don't give each other time. Did you know that? The reason that Sean and I are successful in marriage is because we've, we've, we've made, a, we made a, a decision that we're going to give each other time, quality time. And when we don't have quality time, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of things involved, there's, there's intimacy. There's, you know, there's sexual intimacy. There's, oh, I said it. There's, uh, there's, uh, there's relationship. There's, there's, there's listening. Amen? Here's a word to the wise, you men. You also listen. Right? All these things are vital, and the more that you, you, you give time, and I'm talking about quality time, where you're present, the better your relationship, the better your marriage is. In fact, your wife and the husband, they know when something's not right. Babe, what's wrong with you? Something's not right. Or, or, or she'll smile because this little truck, this itty-bitty little truck made me so happy. And like, I'm a kid in a candy store. I'm just so happy. She's like, she's just laughing. And I had Mexican praise on yesterday. I had Mexican praise on, and it's, it's this salsa. And she's saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe you have that on. I'm, I'm doing this. <laughs> hey, it's my truck. It's, it's, my, it's my story. 
Right? And so we begin to understand how important that is. Well, look, at, look at what uh, Jesus in, in, in Matthew 25, he talks about a master. It's a parable. He talks about a master that left his servants' talents. And this is what it says. After a long time, the master of those servants came and he settled accounts with them. And he, and he who had received the five talents came forward and he brought uh, five more talents saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into, I love this, enter into the, the joy of your master. That's the God that I serve. The God that I serve provides joy for me. Amen. Amen. It, it's, not, it's not sorrow. It's not hardship. He's not looking to, 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 to pound me with a sledgehammer. The God that I serve, he put the sledgehammer on his son and he took the beating for me so that I can walk in the, in the newness of Christ because death didn't have the victory. My sin didn't have the victory. God did. And so I, 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 I'm very intentional. I think it's very important for us to give God time. I think it's very important to give God our talent and say, we're going to use it for your glory. And I think it's important for us to give God our money. Our first fruit. Here's the last strategy. Always remember it's God who gives you the ability to make money. Every door that opened up in my life, even before Jesus, it was God's hand on my life. I'm smart enough to recognize that. God was orchestrating a plan for me to be in relationship with Jesus. And, and the job that you have, success or in your mindset not being successful, let me tell you, God is in it and God wants for you to seek him, to depend on him for everything that you have. And you'll be at peace. Moses writing to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 8.18, he says, Remember the Lord your God. He's the one who gives you power to be successful. Do you notice when I prayed over Art what I said? I said, Art, the only reason you're going there, wherever you're going, is because God has someone there who needs Jesus. I believe that for me in my life, beloved. I believe that this is... This is the most important thing. The most important thing is for people to be, to be able to hear the love and the truth of God that's found in his word. And when we have that, we found the treasure. We found the pearl of great price. We found what everyone is looking for because in Jesus is the peace that surpasses all understanding. It's the joy that comes only from God. It's the ability to have patience with people that drive you cray-cray. It's the ability to suffer long when you want to give up. It's the ability to break addictions because you have self-control. Not people control, but self-control. You see, I'm not here to control you. I'm here to control myself and entrust you to God. He does a better job than I could ever have, I could ever do. Amen. So I'm going to end today with a prayer. 
and I have it in the outline every week. It's in your outline. It's a, it's a prayer to put your faith in Jesus Christ and make him your Savior and your Lord. And for some of you today, it's to come back to Jesus. Maybe you've wandered away and God has been calling you back and, and you feel the peace right now. You feel like if God is speaking to you, every word is speaking to your heart. And, and so I'm going to pray a simple prayer with you. And I'm going to just invite you to respond to Jesus today. It's a, it's a simple prayer. If you pray this with me, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me and sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die in my place for all my sins. I believe that Jesus died on the cross at Calvary and buried and rose again on the third day. I trust him to forgive me for all my sins. Today I receive this free gift of eternal life through faith. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Now with everyone's head still bowed, if that's you here today, if you've said, prayed that prayer, if you're coming back to Jesus or if you're making Jesus your savior today, just raise your hand so we can agree with you. Amen, bro, I see that hand. Anyone else? Yeah, I see your hand, dear lady. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. God is so good. I see, your I see your hand, dear lady. Praise the Lord Jesus for that. Yes, buddy, I see your hand. Thank you, Lord God. Father, for those people that raise their hands, Lord God, you know what that step is. Meet them where they're at. Meet them, Lord God, with that love and grace that you provide. And for all of us here, Lord God, we pray that uh, our life is pleasing to you. We understand that, that we're not saved by what we do. We're saved because of what you did. But we know that because of what you did, it changes what we do. So we pray, Lord, that we will please you in our lives and our money, our talents, our time. We pray this in the name of Jesus and everyone said amen and amen. Now, if you do me a favor on your connect card, if you said yes to Jesus, just say, I, I did that today. I'm coming back to Jesus just so that we can agree with you in prayer. God bless you. Let's stand up and worship our King.